to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good morning to you. How is your day going so far? Um, mine is probably going to be a little rough ride today. There is absolutely no coffee in the building. I'm like, how did that happen? Who is in charge here? There's no caffeine. So we'll see if we survive this. But I do know, I do know this. We'll have a great hour nonetheless. Uh, Emily Alcaraz is here. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. Not so great news from Georgia today. Not so great news from the Georgia update. We'll probably jump into that. There's going to be a lot more coverage of that today and tomorrow, I think, as well. Uh, so uh, good or bad news, either way, we'll cover the stories, keeping you informed as part of our job and inspired. Speaking of inspiration, Adrian Funstek is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. I've never been considered an inspiration, so I, I, I feel that. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, charity is a corporate work of mercy, so I've checked the box today. Praise God. Uh, as, speaking of uh, great guests today, Mary-Kate Knorr, Director of Government Affairs for Students for Life, will be on to also update us on the pro-life implications that could come out of the news from Georgia today. So we're we're looking forward to that conversation later in our our hour. Plus, we still have the breaking news with Emily and uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day and Commentary, and the What's Concerning Us section. We'll have several stories to chat about there. So lots going on today. And if you can join us in the next hour, boy, we'd sure love to have you. Of course, we have our trivia game show. It's a lot of fun. Learn a little bit. You might win a mega prize this week. So check that out if you're available. But let's jump into our hour and pray. Whatever your intentions are, we're praying for you on this great feast of Epiphany. Uh, whatever your your physical, material, you know, financial, your spiritual needs, whatever your challenges you're facing in your life or prayer intentions you have, I'm going to take those and unite them with mine, which is I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for our team here today, our equipment, our radio apostolate. I'm praying for all the radio stations and their apostolates that are carrying this show today. Uh, God love you and God bless you. But let's ask Our Lady to whisper these intentions into the ear of her son that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Turnout for the Georgia Senate race has shattered previous records, with over 4.5 million votes counted by early this morning. Democrat Raphael Warnock is the projected winner of the first race over Senator Kelly Loeffler. The second race still has not been called. If incumbent Republican Senator David Perdue can win the other race, Republicans will remain in control of the Senate. If Democrats win both seats, then there will be a 50-50 tie with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, the President of the Senate, as the tie-breaking vote. With 98% of the vote in, the Democrat John Ossoff maintains a slight lead. 
A popular Chicago priest is under investigation for abusing a minor over 40 years ago. Father Michael Flager is the senior pastor of St. Sabina Catholic Church on the south side of Chicago. Father Flager is an advocate of women's ordination and led a march in Chicago for gun control in 2018. He has also adopted two young boys and fostered another. Cardinal Supich distanced himself from Father Flager after the priest invited the anti-Semitic preacher, Louis Farrakhan, to speak at his parish. In 2011, Cardinal Francis George also briefly suspended Father Flager from ministry after he threatened to leave the priesthood. Cardinal Supich's January 5th message on the allegation against Father Flager said the Chicago Archdiocese followed its child protection policies and reported the allegation to the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services and the Cook County State Attorney. The Croatian Bishops' Conference is donating over $1 million in emergency aid to victims of the country's December earthquake. The money will go to help the most in need in the Diocese of Sizak and the Archdiocese of Zagreb after a magnitude 6.4 earthquake struck eastern-central Croatia on December 29th. According to the conference's Secretary General, Father Krunoslav Novak, the bishops will approve further monetary assistance at an upcoming meeting. The bishops are also setting up temporary housing for those whose homes were destroyed, in partnership with Caritas Croatia and the Order of Malta. Many people in the majority Catholic country of Croatia have been left injured and homeless by the earthquake. The Vatican is warning the faithful not to fall for a false Marian apparition. The doctrinal office for the Holy See has urged Catholics not to promote the alleged apparitions and revelations associated with the Marian title of Our Lady of All Nations, according to a Dutch bishop. Bishop Hendricks said in a statement, quote, It is permitted to use the image in the prayer. Days of prayer in honor of the Lady of All Nations are also allowed. However, reference may not be made to the apparitions and messages which are not approved. In 2005, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith expressed concern about the wording of an official prayer invoking the Blessed Virgin as the Lady who was once Mary. This is heresy, and the CDF advised Catholics not to use this phrase. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines. Blessed Rita Amada de Jesus, pray for us, born on the 5th of March, 1848, in Portugal. She was the daughter of Manuel and Josefa, and uh, these two incredible parents, they did so many wonderful things in front of their children, like read the Bible and pray the rosary and, uh, and teach and lead their kids in, in the faith. And it's just an amazing uh, witness because it really impacted young Rita's life. Now, she grew up in a time when uh, the Freemasons were uh, at war with the church in many ways in Portugal, and there was a lot of oppression of the church. And although she was uh, called to religious life, church property had been seized and religious communities were closed down, clergy were attacked, and religious orders were for, uh, forbidden to accept new members. Um, so she was then decided, if I couldn't become a religious, I'll become a missionary. But rather than go to foreign uh, lands, she decided to become a missionary right in Portugal. And she would go parish to parish, and she would teach the faith and, and teach the rosary and try to lead people into a closer relationship with the church, with Christ himself, and through the sacraments. 
Now, many were taken by her. In fact, many young men were smitten by her and asked her for her hand in marriage, which she said no. And others weren't so happy with her and her evangelization efforts and actually threatened to kill her, but it didn't matter. She grew in great zeal and faith and even devotion to the sacred heart of Christ. At 29 years old, she entered the only still-functioning religious community in Portugal, the Sisters of Charity. But unfortunately, uh, young Rita did not find it very fulfilling, and she left. So then she felt a call to care for single mothers, young women with children, and she found some wealthy people, uh, raised the funds, bought a house, and began to care for these women and for their children. And this would lead to her work in opening schools, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, she started this effort in 1880, and she founded a religious community of sisters to help with the work. And it was called the Sisters of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And they began to help poor children. They opened schools across the country. But in 1910, uh, the the rebellion against the monarchy took to a new height, and they forced the monarchy out, setting up a republic. And again, the persecution of the church took to a fever pitch. Properties consecrated, churches closed, schools were closed. In fact, there was a moment when uh, they had to, because they were being harassed and persecuted, They Rita and the sisters and the children dressed up as gypsies to sneak away and uh, to run for, for cover and safety uh, in the home of her childhood, her parents' home. She turned that home into a new school, and eventually uh, her sisters would move over to Brazil and continue the work there, although Rita did not. She stayed, and she would pass away on January the 6th, 1913, in the same town she was born in, in Portugal. She would be beatified on 28 May 2006 by Pope Benedict XVI. Blessed Rita Amata de Jesus, pray for us. And the gospel today is an extend, uh, it's a, just a takeoff from yesterday, right after the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. Today it's verses 45 through 52. After the 5,000 had eaten and were satisfied, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and precede him to the other side toward Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And when he had taken leave of them, he went off to the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was far out on the sea, and he was alone on the shore. Then he saw that they were tossed about while rowing, for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But they saw him walking on the sea. They thought it was a ghost and cried out. They had all seen him and were terrified. But at once he spoke with them, "'Take courage!' It is I. Do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely astounded. They had not understood the incident of the loaves. On the contrary, their hearts were hardened. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, <laughs> there's several lines in this, uh, this gospel today that kind of made me chuckle a little bit. He meant to pass by them. <laughs> just like, well, he was just, I'm, I'm about my business. I don't have anything to do with these disciples in the boat. I, I don't know what it really means. It just kind of caught me off guard, and I chuckled to think about how he meant to pass by them. But one thing that really did strike to me here was this verse that says, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. The it is I part is significant, actually. 
In the original Greek, uh, the Koine Greek, it is ego eimi. Ego eimi is important because that comes and reminds us of Exodus 3 and Moses and the burning bush. When Moses, trying to wiggle his way out of having to go back to Egypt to, uh, to bring the, the people out of slavery, uh, and he was, you know, negotiating the deal with God, he's like, well, who should I say the sent me? Cause they won't believe me. And, uh, God says from the burning bush, tell them ego eimi. Tell them I am. And you see this being used by Jesus, not only here in the Gospel of Mark, but you see it also, especially in John's Gospel, ego eimi, I am. You see it in John 8. You see it also in, in, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane when they come to arrest him. But right here he says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is God. Do not be afraid. And because he has no sin, he walks on top of the water. Moses walked through on the, on the dry land, through the parting water, but Jesus is one greater than even Moses. And he walks on top of the water because he is ego me. He is God. Adrian, what do you got? Yeah. So I got the, I wanted to talk about the fact that the disciples in their fear and their danger, because uh, Thomas talks about when his collection on the works of the fathers, the Katana Aurora, he says that the Lord allowed his disciples to be in danger, that they might learn patience. Wherefore, he did not immediately come to their aid, but allowed them to remain in danger all night, that he might teach them to wait patiently and not to hope at once for help in tribulation. And then he goes on later on and goes, even whenever he shows up, <laughs> even when he shows up, the first thing that happens is, he scares them. <laughs> they, they freak out and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. Yeah. And so our Lord allows them to be uh, in fear of him uh, and think that he's a ghost before immediately uh, like lowering their fears, calming them. And just by speaking to them, they're calmed at his eye, be not afraid. Yeah. And uh, from there is whenever he calms the storm. And so I think it's a very applicable to our lives today. Like There's so much going on in the church today. I was, We were talking before the show. I was like... Oh my goodness, there's so much going on in the world. I, this is terrifying. This is awful. And, and the scripture passage speaks directly to this. Uh, we are in tribulating times and we need to learn patience that our Lord yeah. will overcome, but he will not do it in our time. He'll do it in his. He allows us to suffer. And, uh, if he allows his disciples to suffer, then how much more will he allow us to suffer as well? But, you know, notice he comes in at the right time. You know, in fact, I think it's a, was it in Luke's gospel where, uh, you know, save us, Lord, we're going to drown. And he was like, you have no faith. And then, he, and then he calms the sea, right? It's like, have faith. Well, I think this gospel is speaking to me personally. I should have faith in the midst of tribulation. Speaking of tribulation, guess what's coming up next? The what's concerning us section. Several articles to discuss there. So stick around. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. Plus, we'll speak with Mary-Kate Knorr from Students for Life about Georgia. All that coming up on Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Whenever morality comes up in discussions, some atheists argue the behavior patterns we call morality are merely the product of evolution, naturally selected for the survival of our species. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, if it were true God didn't exist and our moral behaviors were merely the product of evolution, well then, the dictates of our evolved nature wouldn't express the will of a being beyond man. As such, there would be nothing to morally bind man's will and thus no moral obligation. 
Second, what if the behaviors we judge now as wrong, such as rape and murder, become beneficial for our species in the future? According to the atheistic evolutionary account, they would have to be morally acceptable. But these conclusions are absurd. Moral obligation does exist, and rape and murder will always be wrong. Therefore, evolution is not sufficient to explain morality. I'm Carlo Brusor with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ever feel like life is just too busy, too much? Constant noise, social ed, traffic, work, paint bills, it just doesn't seem to let up. Well, maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace and less chaos, then find your hope today. Begin at CatholicsComeHome.com. So good to be with you. Coming up here in uh, less than 15 minutes, actually, we're going to speak with Mary Kate Knorr. She is the Director of Government Affairs for Students for Life. She's going to talk about the uh, potential pro-life impact, good or bad, uh, from Georgia, from the from the results from Georgia. She, so she is coming up. So stick around for that. But right now we call this the uh, what's concerning us section. I've got, I don't know, two or three stories here that are concerning me. I don't know about Emily or Adrian. I'm sure they have a few as well. But one of the first ones that, you know, we've been talking, we talked about it yesterday, I think a little bit as well. But this is a story out of the Epic Times. Headline goes, Tulsi Gabbard criticizes Democrats for removing gendered language from House rules. And uh, right out of the gate, I got to tell you, Tulsi, and she's sharp. She's very sharp. She's a Democrat from Hawaii. And it says Tulsi Gabbard criticized her party's recent decision to change the House rules so the language in written and formal proceedings in, is gender neutral, calling the change hypocritical. She says, uh, and the article's quoting her here, for people who claim to be the champions of rights for women to deny the very biological existence of women and this recent rule change that the House just voted and passed on today, that you were talking about removing references to mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters from congressional rules and administration, it's mind-blowing because it shows just how out-of-touch Congress with rea- Congress is with reality and the struggles of everyone. Everyday Americans, Tulsi Gabbard. That's that's yes, praise God. I I I think she is spot on here. I'm very concerned about our country continuing to go down this road that attacks the dignity of the human person. I know so much of what we talk about, people think it's very divisive, or it's it's right left politics. It's not. It's not about right left. It's about right wrong. God made us in his image and likeness, male and female. He made them. One of the first words we read in the, in, the, in the Bible is about how God made man and woman, male and female. And he gives us this proto-sacrament of marriage there in Genesis chapter 2, that man and woman would be bound together as one flesh they would leave their fathers and mothers, they would become one, and they would be, become the seed of life for the world. And when we attack that, when we mess with that, it is an attack on the dignity of the human person. It's an attack on God himself. And I think Tulsi's spot on here to say, how could you say 
that you want to support uh, women, that you believe in the, in, the, in the needs of women, the causes for women, and yet at the same time you deny their very biological existence. That's spot on. Emily, I don't know if you have an opinion on this. That's great. And props to Tulsi Gabbard for being a Democrat and speaking up for that because it's becoming harder and harder, I think, in, in the Democrat Party to have these sort of normal views that were accepted for such a long time. They're just becoming so radical now. And actually in my headlines for the next segment, I have the news that Dan Lipinski, who was one of the last pro-life Democrats, is leaving Congress. So um, he was always very great. He was um, a, a consistent pro-life voice in the Democratic Party, but he's gone now. And I'm glad we still have Tulsi Gabbard to speak up for um, these traditional views. You know, I, I actually, contrary to popular opinion of me, I I, I don't love uh, just the, the Republican versus Democrat. I, I, I wish we had more options. I really do wish we had better options, uh, ones that were uh, give give Americans the ability to make better and more informed choices. But we, all we are left with is right left politics. That's it. That's all we get, and we have to make decisions based on this. And it's it's a hot mess. And I think Georgia is going to be an illustrator of that. Of course, today is the big day in Washington D.C. where we'll see them pull out these uh, electoral votes and. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. We're all waiting to see what's going to happen. There's a million people in Washington, D.C. right now uh, to to rally and protest. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's a big, big deal. Half of the country uh, is divided from the other half. And I, it, we part of the we've gotten to this point. We're like the frog in the pot and the water is starting to boil. But it warmed up a long time ago and we allowed that to happen. You know, it's uh, we we. We want to say that love means whatever people feel. It's whatever their emotions are for the moment. Love is a person. Love is Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, First John mm-hmm. chapter four, verse eight. God is love. That God died on a cross for our salvation, not so that we could feel good, so that we could feel good for eternity, so that we can have salvation. It's the ultimate good. And when we attack people, when we attack people on the dignity of human life, like. Uh, Pretending as though uh, gender is a bad thing. Boy, we are going down the wrong road and fast. And uh, it is scary. It's now at the federal level. It's built, it's baked into the federal government at this point. That is, that's tragic. Adrian? Yeah, I think it's interesting to point out the because the whole idea of gendered language I find ridiculous on its face because gender is not really a thing in the way we're talking about it. It's there's there's distinctions in sex, meaning you're male or female, and then gender is a grammatical tool that we use. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it, it makes no sense. Uh, this whole idea of gendered language and things like that. It's purely a fictional thing invented in order to try to create confusion. There's uh, the the left, the uh, progressive ideology, the modernist like to create ambiguity by just like redefining terms and creating new definitions and new and, and no distinctions. Uh, it's an egalitarian move to equalize everything. It's it's kind of disconcerting to see it. It's also not charitable because it's not about uh, attacking people, like, let's say people who are same-sex attracted or people who have gender dysphoria. It's not about that. I mean, the, the studies have shown that people who are uh, who are in those two categories have higher rates of depression, higher rates of suicide, higher rates of addictions and other issues. That's bad for them. It is bad for them personally. 
And uh, we don't want to fan the flame of that. We want to give them actual charity, actual help, actual care. And that would be to help them away from these things, not towards these things. And to see our, our, our government or our people, our community on a whole, uh, sort of buy into this, uh, it's, it's scary. In That's many a ways. very important point you made there about it being a charitable thing and how uh, the rates of suicide are the skyrocketing for people who are struggling with these difficulties. Uh, people often say it's because they're bullied and not accepted, but they have higher rates of suicide than Jews in the Holocaust. Yeah. And I don't think they're being bullied more than Jews in the Holocaust. So it is a mental problem that they're, they're having to struggle with and they're having to deal with that we should be charitable towards and giving into their, uh, their, it's a fantasy. Yeah, their fantasies yeah. is is not charitable. It's it's detrimental to their to now, their body soul. There are contributing factors. I mean, there are lots of contributing factors to to uh, people who live in these lifestyles. Uh, we've talked to Joseph Chambra in, in mm-hmm. the past uh, about this. I've had uh, a Catholic psychologist Dr. Kim Buckle on my previous programs to discuss this very issue. I mean, it, it does happen. It does happen uh, with uh, circumstances. However, ultimately, it's still not good because God made man and woman and he made them in his likeness and he gave them the mission to procreate, to fill the face of the earth and to be bound to each other. And that is the designed by nature and natural law applies to every human being, no matter what they believe or where they live on planet earth. Natural law applies, right? We all know it's wrong to murder people. That's natural law. Uh, we don't have to have a law passed by a government for that. We just know it by nature. St. Paul talks about that in his, in his epistle to the Romans. So my point to this article today is that hats off to Tulsi Gabbard for calling a spade a spade and, uh, and criticizing her own party. Um, so I'm very inspired by Tulsi Gabbard's courage and leadership here, and uh, I just want to thank her for having uh, having spoken out about that. I wish others, even Republicans, golly gee whiz, where are you on this? Yeah. Uh, where's the article today from Republicans on this? I would love to he- Which read that. Which is why we're Catholic first. Yeah, always. so, so uh, thank you, Tulsi Gabbard. Real quick, a couple of other uh, articles before we go to break. We're going to be going to break here in just a moment, uh, but uh, I saw there's even more bad news about injuries related to the vaccine. And, um, you know, the, the issue here is they rushed to it, and it's very concerning in that process. It's a brand new technology. We interviewed Dr. Teresa Deicher about this last year uh, on a couple of occasions, and um, she's an expert on the subject. She was saying, listen, this is brand new technology. You're changing people's DNA. You have no idea what that's going to do. Uh, and we've seen a lot of... Um, Reactions. In fact, there's one article here uh, from the Epic Times says hundreds sent to emergency room, hundreds after getting COVID-19 vaccines. And there's all kinds of stories in this article. I don't need to bore you with the details, but the point is, uh, let's be safe out there. <laughs> let's figure out what's what's in there that we may be allergic to, because there's another story here that two days Two days after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine, a healthy 41-year-old mother dies in Portugal. Uh, she's a, uh, a medical worker, received the shot. Her family says she was in perfect health, had no issues. And, and she's two days later, she is, she's dead. We don't know. Is it related? We don't know. Uh, Pfizer says they're, they're, they're monitoring all the, all the incidents. Pfizer's monitoring. The CDC is monitoring. I mean, this woman lived in Portugal. But, I mean, the point is... W- y- this is brand new stuff. You don't want to be on the bleeding edge of technology here. <laughs> it could be very dangerous. And 
I just urge caution because we rush to this too fast. At least that's how I see it. Emily, how about you? Right. And this is a huge issue. Now in California, a hospital, after their freezer broke down, just started vaccinating everybody, anybody and everybody willy-nilly. And we've seen people with certain conditions are having very adverse reactions to this vaccination. And we also see people who are uh, using this as an opportunity to make money and are selling this vaccination for large amounts of money really there's price gouging going on exactly so you're kidding (laughs) that's insane yeah where's the federal government on that where's the cdc there everyone is using this vaccination to their advantage so that's wild did you hear also i heard this morning driving in uh in los angeles they're uh telling the uh the emergency drivers the uh emts to not bring people to the emergency rooms if they if they think that the person may die, to oh, d- don't bring gosh. them to the emergency rooms. They're to if their heart stopped or they stopped breathing, they're to try to resuscitate them for twenty minutes and then let them go. Could you imagine? They and the the, the the issue here is well, they're they're being overwhelmed there with new COVID cases, and they're also apparently their their oxygen delivery systems in some of their hospitals is way out of date. And uh, the governor is trying to uh, work with the uh, uh, government to try to get those replaced. But, I mean, could you imagine as an EMT being told you're not to take people who need critical care to the emergency room? Could you that's, imagine? That's their job. They're being told not to do their job then. That's, that's a scary world we live in right there. Well, can, wow. I, can I go to another headline? Yeah, really quick. Time? Yeah, go for it. Uh, we wanted to talk about Kamala Harris's lie. I know we have a minute until break, but Kamala Harris, where are the fact checkers on her? <laughs> she has been caught lying in an interview with Elle magazine. She plagiarized a story from Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, about saying that she wanted freedom when she was a small child. <laughs> where are the fact checkers on this? She's been caught lying before, too, in the Kavanaugh oh, no. case, in her post- post-election speech. She's constantly lying, so I think we need to point that out as much as we point out Donald Trump's lies. <laughs> I'm sure the Babylon Bee will be all over this. Freedom! <laughs> I can see Braveheart right now. All right, uh, hold that thought. Uh, we're going to go to break and come back. We'll have more breaking news and stories. Plus, we'll be speaking with Mary-Kate Knorr, Director of Government Affairs with Students for Life, about the uh, pro-life implications coming out of Georgia. All that's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. This is Dale Alfquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that the church needs to keep up with the times? G.K. Chesterton says that all this talk about keeping up with the times has been uttered hundreds of times before. To be up to date, he says, is a paltry ambition, except in an almanac. The church certainly does not need to imitate the secular world. In fact, what does the word secular mean? It does not mean worldly. It does not even mean irreligious. To be secular simply means to be of the age. That is, of the age which is passing. And in the case of anyone trying to keep up with the times, the age that is already past. So what the word secular really means is dated. The church's truth is never out of date because it is eternal. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. 
Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Uh, don't forget, if you want the podcast version of our website, or of our, our program, Catholic Drive Time, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You get the audio podcast there. We're also posting uh, video clips of the individual conversations, the hours themselves, over on our YouTube channel. And you can find that at youtube.com forward slash CD or forward slash GRN online. I told you there was no coffee in the building today. So the brain is a little foggy. <laughs> Let's just pray that it all works out in the end. But, uh, we're also live streaming on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. You can find us on Instagram, Catholic Drive Time, on Twitter, Catholic Drive Time, and I post on Parlor as well. So plenty of ways to and get plugged in. And we're posting interviews to Instagram too. Are we? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, if you really want to be helpful and help us uh, spread the word, when you watch the videos on on YouTube, right, hit a like, hit the like, smash the like. The like is the key. The like helps to overcome the algorithm problems. But at at any rate, uh, so we have breaking news. And then coming up here in just a moment, we'll speak with Mary-Kate Knorr, Director of Government Affairs from Students for Life. All of that coming up. But now, breaking news with Emily Alcarez. Trump supporters clashed with D.C. police yesterday ahead of the March to Save America. Late Tuesday evening, videos from independent journalists showed skirmishes from the scene and one woman with a bloodied face who said she was assaulted by a Black Lives Matter activist. One journalist reported that Trump supporters and the Proud Boys attempted to enter BLM Plaza, but police pushed back against the protesters seeking access. Several clips posted on Twitter show officers using pepper spray to push back the crowd. Today, President Donald Trump will address the protesters who are gathered in D.C. to challenge the results of the 2020 presidential election. One of the last remaining pro-life Democrats is leaving Congress. An eight-term Catholic House Democrat, Dan Lipinski, lost his primary to new Congresswoman Marie Newman by fewer than 3,000 votes. Lipinski was known for being a reliable pro-life vote, one of the last remaining pro-life Democrats in the House, and one of only two sitting House Democrats endorsed by the group Democrats for Life of America in 2020. Lipinski warned of partisanship in a recent interview, saying, quote, More and more people are making their political party their religion. Catholics can show the way and hopefully bridge that divide in our world between the two polarized sides. In Hong Kong, 50 more pro-democracy figures have been arrested. Pro-democracy activists and lawmakers had last July held an unofficial primary election to figure out which candidates they should field in the now-postponed legislative election that would boost their chances of gaining a majority of seats in the legislature. Following the handover of Hong Kong to China by the British in 1997, the semi-autonomous Chinese city has operated on a one-country, two-systems framework that affords it freedoms not found on the mainland. In recent years, Beijing has asserted more control over the city, drawing criticism that Hong Kong's freedoms were under attack. Iceland's only Catholic bishop is fighting against extreme restrictions on on worship. Sorry. Bishop David Tanker of Reykjavik, the country's sole Catholic diocese, has called on the government to lift the country's 10-person limit on mass attendance, arguing that it is an unfair discrepancy within the current coronavirus measures. The bishop said in a statement, quote, 
Our churches are not small. If it is possible to hold a funeral or even a concert with 50 people, how is it that only 10 people can attend Mass? How do I explain to our parishioners that many restaurants can accommodate more customers? As of yesterday, there have been 111 reported cases of COVID in Iceland, which has a population of just over 350,000 people. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the uh, headline news there. Uh, joining us right now by Zoom chat is uh, Mary-Kate Knorr, Director of Government Affairs for Students for Life. Good morning to you, Mary-Kate. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Praise Thanks God. For having me. We're alive, and that counts, Good. right? Amen. Praise God. Yeah, no. it does count. It does count. Yes. Now, everybody, uh, apparently, there was a lot of people who stayed up late last night to uh, watch the results. I, however, was not one of them. I went to yep. bed. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm a pessimist. And I was like, what diff would it make? Uh, did, did you, by the way, did you feel like uh, we had a fair shot in, in Georgia for coming out pro-life there? Or, or uh, did you feel like things might uh, continue as they have been for the national election? We absolutely had a fair shot. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we had a lot of students. So over the last week, we've had 200 students down in Georgia who have been door knocking and um, talking to voters and having these pro-life, important pro-life conversations with them. Um, The responses that they were getting were fabulous. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we really felt good about it. I think you, you can look at the numbers. The margins were incredibly close. I mean, we're talking within you know, it, 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 within a couple thousand, it's really not a lot relative to the number of people who were who actually voted in this election. Um, so it's it's heartbreaking. It's really disappointing. Um, and th- obviously, there are a lot of concerns that come with the outcomes of last night's race. All right. So what are those concerns? If we're looking at a supermajority yep. in the Senate now and in, in Congress, how is that going to look for a pro-life future? Yeah. So our primary concern is protecting the Hyde Amendment. Um, so the Hyde Amendment is um, it was an, an amendment passed by Henry, introduced by Henry Hyde in the 70s and passed, I believe, in the 80s um, in Congress that bans federal funding of abortion, basically. Um, and obviously, we know there are ways that that Planned Parenthood and other organizations have been able to sort of skirt that law. Mm. Um, but that law has protected a lot of a lot of, um, you know, federal funding um, from being allocated toward abortions, not just across the country, but also internationally. Um, So this is a major concern. I mean, this is something that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have both said that they are interested in repealing. Uh, We know that this is a top priority of the abortion industry in general, uh, because they're seeing a cut um, from their bottom line as more pro-life states are passing pro-life laws. They're hoping to pick up that, that that funding from other areas and repealing the Hyde Amendment is one of the ways that they believe they're going to be able to do that. So this is a major concern. We're talking with Mary-Kate Knorr, Director of Government Affairs for Student for Life, and uh, the the Georgia results have implications. How quickly, Mary-Kate, do you think we'll see any impact? How quickly do you think the Hyde Amendment might be repealed or any other uh, legislation uh, might take effect? It'll be within the first 100 days for sure. Really? Sure that that. We've, we've already heard, you know, well, and I, I should back up. So with regards to repealing the Hyde Amendment, that there's potential for that to take a little bit longer. Um, and I believe that there are Democrats who say they're pro-choice but are still concerned with the with the premise of repealing the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment, Joe Biden supported the Hyde Amendment when the Hyde Amendment was passed um, in hmm. the 80s. So this is a controversial issue. Um, and it's not just controversial from a pro-life, pro-choice side. It's also controversial even within the pro-choice movement. Hmm. Um, so I, I think that there's, there's a debate to be had there. Um, but in terms of the action that that the Biden administration and a, um, a pro-choice Senate and uh, Congress will take, 
um, I think we'll see that right away. And we're already seeing it. So, for example, um, President President-elect, I suppose, Biden um, just announced in the last few weeks that he will appoint Xavier Becerra to serve as the Department of Health and Human Services. Mm. Xavier Becerra is the attorney general of California who has prosecuted David Daleiden and Sandra Merritt for their uh, the work that they did with the Center for Medical Progress in collecting those videos about Planned Parenthood and the trafficking of baby body parts. So that's just one example of the pro-abortion action that this administration is taking. Uh, and that's, again, another on the list of concerns that we have about what they could potentially do in the first 100 days. And like I said, they've already made that announcement. So that's already happened. Yeah, Mary-Kate, just shifting gears a little bit, um, I sure. saw that the president of NARAL, uh was saying that they were preparing for the end of Roe v. Wade or for it to be overturned. Now, Mm -hmm. how likely was that initially? And then how likely is it now that uh, if we have Democrat control of Senate and the Democratic presidency? Praise God, that is actually still likely because, uh, and I would say that that's that's our greatest hope right now. I think that that's also something that uh, Democrats are interested, pro-choice Democrats are interested in, um, in taking this action up for that reason, because we have a or supposedly we have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. We have a majority on the Supreme Court who have said that they will in some shape or form um, question Roe um, and what exactly what that looks like. We're not sure, but there's hope. That, that could happen. There's hope that uh, that legislation will either come up in various states or has already that will be challenged and brought to the Supreme Court and that the Supreme Court will ultimately say, OK, we're we're either going to overturn Roe v. Wade altogether or we're simply going to reverse that ruling um, through the, a ruling that negates that in some other shape or form. Um, so there's still a lot of hope that we could see that kind of action from the Supreme Court. Um, but in terms of the federal government, um, there's a, a different level of action that can be taken um, t- can be taken by them. We're talking with Mary Kate Knorr. She is the director of government affairs for Students for Life, and uh, we're going to go to break here in just a moment. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation on the other side. But real quick, before we go to break, uh, can we just uh, just give us the uh, elevator tour of studentsforlife.org? What what is this organization that you belong to? Uh, yeah, student. Students for Life. Students for Life, uh, we're primarily focused on building uh, building student groups on campuses all across the country. We have literally thousands of groups all across the country um, that help equip students to go out and speak about their pro-life beliefs. Um, so it's an incredibly powerful uh, thing. We've seen a lot of leaders uh, across the country actually rise up from student groups. There are current U.S. senators and state uh, elected officials all across the country who um, started their pro-life convictions in student groups uh, through Students for Life. So that's that's our primary focus, but we also work with elected officials. We work with communities on the ground to help uh, bring women to pregnancy resource centers. We do, we do a lot across the board, but we're really rooted in equipping the pro-life generation, the future, um, the future generations for the pro-life movement. How, we have no time for a deep question. (laughs) However, I am just very curious, how how pro-life is that next generation? We'll have to ask that on the other side of the break. Uh, Because where the youth are is where the movement is, I would say. So I'll ask her that on the other side of the break, talking to Mary-Kate Dorr from Students for Life. Don't go anywhere more. Catholic Drive Time and our conversation will be coming up right after this break. Stick around, keeping you informed and inspired. In 1981... 
Cardinal Carlo Caffara was commissioned to open the John Paul II Institute on Marriage and the Family in Rome. He wrote a letter to Sister Lucia, the last of the three seers at Fatima, asking for her prayers for this endeavor. The letter had to be sent through her bishop, so the cardinal did not expect a reply. However, he did receive a reply, saying, Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. And those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation. But do not be afraid, because Our Lady has already crushed his head. Clearly, we are in those times. You may be experiencing tribulation in your own home. Recognize from whom that is coming. It's not your spouse. Stop fighting each other and together fight the evil one who is trying to come between you. Remember, Our Lady has already crushed his head. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can connect with us on Instagram. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. It's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. We're talking with Mary-Kate Knorr, Director of Government Affairs uh, for student, Students for Life. Government Affairs, that sounds very nefarious. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to ask that question in a few minutes. But uh, before the break, I, I was really curious as you were describing Students for Life, um, how pro-life is the, the youth? How pro-life is the, are the young people in our country? Yeah. The next generation that will, that will be coming up. Um, because where the youth are, you find the movement. And so I wonder, Mary-Kate, if you can speak to that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the future, the pro-life generation, the future generation is pro-life. Um, and it's, it's absolutely incredible to go out when we have the opportunity to do these student events and listen to the stories that these kids have just on their campuses. Or, you know, we have a lot of high school students, student groups as well, um, listening to the stories that these high school students tell and also listening to their courage and their conviction. I mean, it really inspires me, you know, as an adult person who's been in politics and the pro-life movement for, for a long time. I it, it inspires me. And I know that our, the rest of our staff feel the same way. It's truly incredible to listen to how brave these kids are um, and how convicted they are. Um, we we see it in the numbers and we see it in the conversations that we have with them. Mm. The future generations are absolutely pro-life and they're getting more pro-life over time. Praise um, God. And poll numbers suggest that as well, which is, which is awesome. Yes. Praise God. Amen. So, so speaking of numbers, I was going to ask about the pro-life march. How, how is the pro-life march, uh, you know, coming together in two, 2021? Yeah. I had to think yeah. of the year. I had to actually think what year we're in. <laughs> yep. I know, I know. Right. No, no. <laughs> praise God. It's happening. The pro-life march is happening. Um, which it, I mean, of course we've, you know, we've been doing this march since 1973. Um, 19, I think, I think maybe before that actually. And, um, so praise God, the march is still happening. Um, I, you know, I can't say what the numbers will be, but I can tell you that I think especially this year with what we're seeing um, with who's in the White House and who has control of the House and who has control of the Senate, I would be shocked if pro-life people did not turn out in droves mm. um, to make our voices known on this issue. I think that we will see more action taken from the pro-life side in the coming four years um, than we have in a long time. And that's truly saying a lot, given all that the Trump administration did do for the pro-life movement in the last four years. 
Right. And it's certainly more important now than ever, especially with uh, the vice president elect Kamala Harris, who is so extreme on abortion. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I wanted to ask about your job, specifically, Mary Kate, director of government affairs. Now, what does that entail? (laughs) <laughs> yep. So I, I'm our, our relationship lead, I guess you could say, on federal and state government affairs, basically. So so I um, and, am, you know, meeting with uh, different national organizations, state organizations. We're talking with and developing relationships with elected officials, um, again, in, in both state and at the federal level. Um, so really, our goal from a government affairs perspective is to just forge these relationships that we can partner with these elected officials who care about the pro-life issue um, and bring the pro-life message to policy uh, and to to the way that our government approaches uh, social issues, essentially. Um, so we have a, our, our legislative agenda we, we call it our post-row blueprint. And our post-row blueprint is basically founded on this idea that if we want to be build a pro-life culture, we have to begin by living as though Roe v. Wade has already been reversed. And mm. what does that mean? That means reforming the way adoption happens, reforming the way that the foster care system works. Um, and then also talking, of course, about abortion and resources for pregnant women who are you know, experiencing an unplanned pregnancy and all of these other things that we're already talking about, but also preparing the culture for what it will look like when Roe v. Wade is overturned. So that's what we focus on um, when it comes to government affairs is talking about those issues. I was just thinking as you're saying that um, one of the big criticisms that happens or comes across from people who are not pro-life is they'll say, why do you want a, a baby to be born only to uh, enslave it only to, you know, do whatever you want to it. You know, you name the list of things, um, you know, not paid enough or whatever. They have a, a whole list. And I was just listening to you say that and thinking, wow, this is really a holistic approach. And I think this is one of the criticisms we ought to constantly push back on that we do have care or concern, not just for the life, but for the mom for the dad, for the grandparents. And uh, I can't tell you how many pro-lifers I've, I've been uh, in uh, connection with that have prayed for the abortion doctor. We interviewed Mark Halk a few, about a month ago who, who had a great conversation with the, the abortionist himself outside the clinic. And, uh, you know, so there's great concern in the pro-life community for all that are, are involved. Have you run across those criticisms and how have you responded to them, Mary Kate Noor? You know, I run across those criticisms all the time, and some of the most surprising conversations I've ever had have been with pro-life Catholic people who are under the impression that the pro-life movement isn't doing enough to actually care for women and children after they're born. And my response to that is always that that is just a vehement misunderstanding of of the focus of the pro-life movement. Mm. I mean, you know, first of all, the Catholic Church, we are what the largest voluntary uh, service organization in the world. I mean, Mm. we're providing more services as a church than any other organization in existence. Um, and that's just that's just the Catholic Church. I mean, if you want to talk about the pro-life movement, which spans beyond the Catholic Church, we have people of all faith backgrounds in the pro-life movement. Um, these are the people who are running pregnancy resource centers. These are the people who are authentically caring for women and for their health and having conversations with them. You know, I have a, a mentor who says that life decisions don't just happen when a woman is pregnant. They happen when she's, you know, caring for her toddler or when she's a college student and studying and learning about women's health issues, life decisions are happening for a woman at all phases of her fertility cycle. Women are having conversations with themselves in their heads about whether or not they would keep their baby if they were to become pregnant 
all throughout their lives. And we have to be speaking into that. And we are. Um, and so that's the thing that I think is a, a great misunderstanding. And if there are Catholics listening or if anyone listening, um, that you have questions about what the pro-life movement is actually doing to care for women and children after after that one, that cri- what we call the crisis moment when a woman finds that she's unexpectedly pregnant. Um, I promise those answers are there for you because the answer is the pro-life movement is doing it all. We are truly doing it all to care for the woman and the child. Amen. Now, we've seen uh, recently in international pro-life news, we've seen a couple losses this year. We saw Pol- in Poland there were abortion victories. Obviously, Argentina has just now legalized abortion for the first time. Um, do Students for Life uh, have any um, contact with the international pro-life movement, and how are they helping these movements? Sure. Yeah. So we don't have too many international groups. We do have, you know, just connections and partnerships with uh, with other organizations who work internationally. Um, but something that from, you know, again, from the government affairs perspective, one of the issues that we do talk about is whether or not um, the U.S. government is funding international abortions. And this is always a big debate. Um, one of the very first things that we are sh- that President Trump did and that we are sure um, a president, future President Biden will do is reverse the Mexico City policy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Mexico City policy is an executive order that is signed. It it goes back and forth between administrations based on, uh, you know, where that president sits on the abortion issue. But the Mexico City policy affects whether or not we fund abortions internationally. And so the Mexico City policy is just one more example of something that we are talking about as an organization, because people need to know that this is something that President-elect Biden will do day one, Day one, he will open up the floodgates for the U.S. government to begin funding international abortions through the Mexico City policy. And that's something, you know, we we, we have to be aware that these are the things that are going on. It it matters so much um, how we vote. Uh, And this is a perfect example of why it matters. Wow. Um, Mary-Kate Norris, is our guest, uh, Government, Government Affairs, Students for Life. We've posted link uh, to the website, by the way, over on Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. And uh, we're having this conversation. We have a few minutes left in our conversation with Mary-Kate. Uh, what did you think, Mary-Kate, when you saw the video of thousands of people dancing in the streets, throwing glitter, having a great time in celebration for the right to, uh, seemingly the right to abort one's child? Um, I was disgusted by that. How did you feel? Yeah, I, it is so disheartening and saddening to me. Um, you know, one of the, one of the beautiful things, parts of working in the pro-life movement and parts of my job prior to my current position, I was the executive director of Illinois right to life. Um, and one of the best parts of this experience has been getting to know so many of the post-abortive women who at one time or another were part of the, of the you know, abortion movement mm. um, who have come over to the pro-life side. And it's always moving. I, I mean, first of all, praise God, it's it's always moving to listen to them because the Lord's mercy is so powerful and so convicting, right? But on the other side, it's also so saddening to see the people who are still living in that reality as though abortion is not just necessary, but also something to be celebrated. I know. Um, and we see... Yeah, we, you know, we see women and, and men too, we see them suffering um, when they're living in that reality. And for whatever reason, it's hard for them to draw that connection when they're in it. You know, I guess um, the, the blindness of sin or whatever you might want to call it. But 
I think that it's it's sad to me. It's very, very sad. And I think that that's something we have to continue to pray for those people and pray for, for those who have not yet seen the truth of abortion and seen the truth of not just what it is, but also what it does to us as human beings when we actively and willfully engage in it. Mm -hmm. Now, Mary-Kate, we have about two minutes left in the interview, but this morning I was really disappointed when I saw the headline that Dan Lipinski is no longer going to be in Congress. So what did did it mean to have, I know know you're from Chicago, Dan Lipinski would always speak at the March for Life in Chicago. Um, I was um, always a fan of his. What did it mean to have a pro-life Democrat in Congress? And what did we lose? Yeah, Congressman Lipinski, uh, gosh, truly incredible. He's an incredible person. He's an incredible soldier. I um, admire and commend his bravery for you know the the work that he has done over the last over the last decade or so. Um, it's been longer than that, actually. I think that he was in Congress, um, and um, it, it meant a lot, and it still means a lot that he stood for the pro life issue on the Democratic side when he did. I mean, in twenty sixteen. Tom Perez is the the chair of the Democratic National Committee. He really drew the line in the sand and said, Democrats who don't believe in a woman's right to choose are no longer welcome in this party. And Dan Lipinski was, you know, effectively an you know, behind enemy lines for a long time while he was there. And so we're we're grateful for everything that he's given to the pro life movement. Um, and I hope that we will continue to see him um, actively speak about this issue because his, his presence is so important. All right. With that, we're going to thank Mary-Kate Nord, Director of Government Affairs, Students for Life. God bless you. God love you. Thank, you. thank you for being on our program today. Thank you so much, you guys. It was great to talk with you. All right. Emily, Adrian, thanks uh, for the show. We had a great hour this hour. Uh, dear listener, if you're able to join us in the next hour, we would love to have you. We'll have our game show. We might even open up the phone lines to the listeners. You can make your comments and your questions at that point. But game shows coming up in the next hour, plus more breaking news and saint of the day, gospel day. There's so much in the next hour. We hope you will join us. Plus, there's a mega prize we're giving away, and you don't even need to know the answer. It's going to be super fun. Check us out. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews use in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55, and 56 that the James and Joseph mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. 
And one other passage to consider. Acts 1 verses 14 to 15 speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. So Dave, let me get this straight. We're starting a new network-wide show with you teaching the Summa Theologica by St. Thomas Aquinas. And I'm your co-host, and I get free lessons on the Summa live on the radio. There's got to be a catch. No, there's no catch. It's going to be a fun show where we're going to learn a lot about our journey of life focused on our final end. The show is called Back to the Father, and the first show is Friday, January 8th at 2 p.m. Central. I hope everyone joins in to hear me give Sissel weekly quizzes live on the radio. I knew there was a catch. I'm just kidding. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be with you this morning. Praise be to God. How are you doing today? I don't know what's on your plate. I don't know what you have to do today or what you have to face. But we, we, we will be praying for your intentions today, no matter how easy or hard it is to get it for me to say that. There's no coffee in the building today, in my defense. So uh, we'll be praying that I can get through this. But I'll be praying for the team for sure. Uh, on the program today, we obviously have more breaking news and stories. You have the uh, stories coming out of Georgia this morning. We'll be talking about that. Plus, we have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and the all-beloved... Uh, is it Beloved now? Can we say that, Emily? Can we say the trivia game show is Beloved? I think so. I think so. so. When we I asked so. for feedback, we got some positive feedback, so yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. I think uh, it's been a lot of fun to play the game. Uh, it's We have a little laugh in the process. We teach a little bit, too. And we give out some cool prizes. And this week, it's a mega prize. That's right. The LittleCatholicBox.com is giving away their prayer space box valued at $149. And it has six prizes in the box. So six in one six mega prize. Mega, It's mega. So <laughs> it's, it's bigly. As the guy in D.C. might say, it's very bigly. So if you want to get in on that, just keep the phone number handy. It's 877-757-9424. First caller, when we, give, when we tell you, the first caller will get to be the uh, contestant and get uh, uh, an opportunity to possibly win that. Also in the program, I think we might open up the phone lines later and just have a conversation with you, our listener. So be on standby for that. There's several stories in the news that we want to discuss, uh, but if you had a, a, call, a question or a comment or something, you might be able to offer that later in the program, so stick around uh, as, we, uh, as we will let you know if we'll open up the phone lines. But let's begin with prayer. Oh, before I do that, Adrian Fonseca is uh, running the, the spinning plates 
today. And there's a, there's a few. There's one less spinning plate anyway. Yeah, there there might be. I hope not, but maybe there's one less spinning plate. We'll see. We I think uh, we're not on the mobile app at the moment. So if you're uh, you, if you're listening on the mobile app, you're definitely not listening to us at the moment. So. All right, you're listening to I think Sunrise Show right now. <laughs> all right, so well, God God be praised in all things. But you can also listen to us not just on our radio stations across the Guadalupe Radio Network, but also on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, as well as Instagram, and I post over at Parlor as well. Plenty of ways to get in connection with us. Uh, you can find us by searching for Catholic Drive Time or GRN Online. And if you're on YouTube, make sure you like the video. That really helps us out. Let's begin with prayer. Whatever your intentions are, I'm going to include those. So I'm praying for you, for your family, for your needs. I'm praying for my family as well. I'm praying for our team today, our equipment, our show, our time together uh, and I bring these intentions to Our Lady. I pray for our country. I pray for the conversion of all sinners everywhere and for a reversion of those who have left the faith, that they come back into the fold before they die. Uh, so I'm praying for all of these intentions. I ask Our Lady to whisper them into the ear of her son, that he will draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. Let us pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Turnout for the Georgia Senate race has shattered previous records with over 4.5 million votes counted by early this morning. Democrat Raphael Warnock is the projected winner of the first race over Senator Kelly Loeffler. The second race still has yet to be called. If incumbent Republican Senator David Perdue can win the other race, Republicans will remain in control of the Senate. If Democrats win both seats, there will be a 50-50 tie with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, the President of the Senate, as the tie-breaking vote. With 98% of the vote in, the Democrat John Ossoff maintains a slight lead. A popular Chicago priest is under investigation for abusing a minor over 40 years ago. Father Michael Flager is the senior pastor of St. Sabina Catholic Church on the south side of Chicago. Father Flager is an advocate of women's ordination and has led a march in Chicago for gun control in 2018. He's also adopted two young boys and fostered another. Cardinal Supich distanced himself from Father Flager after the priest invited the anti-Semitic preacher, Louis Farrakhan, to speak at his parish. In 2011, Cardinal Francis George briefly suspended Father Flager from ministry after he threatened to leave the priesthood. Cardinal Supich's January 5th message on the allegation against Father Flager said the Chicago Archdiocese followed its child protection policies and reported the allegation to the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services and the Cook County State's Attorney. The Croatian Bishops' Conference is donating over $1 million in emergency aid to victims of the country's December earthquake. The money will go to help the most in need in the Diocese of Sizak and the Archdiocese of Zagreb after a magnitude 6.4 earthquake struck eastern-central Croatia on December 29th. According to the conference's Secretary General, Father Krunoslav Novak, the bishops will approve further monetary assistance at an upcoming meeting. 
The bishops are also setting up temporary housing for those whose homes were destroyed, in partnership with Caritas Croatia and the Order of Malta. Many people in the majority Catholic country of Croatia have been left injured and homeless by the earthquake. The Vatican is warning the faithful not to fall for a false Marian apparition. The doctrinal office for the Holy See has urged Catholics not to promote the alleged apparitions and revelations associated with the Marian title of Our Lady of All Nations, according to a Dutch bishop. Bishop Hendricks said in a statement, quote, It is permitted to use the image in the prayer. Days of prayer in honor of the Lady of All Nations are also allowed. However, reference may not be made to the apparitions and messages which are not approved. In 2005, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith expressed concern about the wording of an official prayer invoking the Blessed Virgin as the Lady who was once Mary. This is heresy, and the CDF advised Catholics not to use this phrase. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines. Blessed Rita Amada de Jesus, pray for us. She was born on the 5th of March, 1848, in Portugal. She's the daughter of Manuel and Josefa. Now, Manuel and Josefa did a great job as parents. They led their family every single night in praying the Holy Rosary. They led them in reading the Holy Gospels and uh, in teaching the faith to their kids. It's such a wonderful example, and it definitely had a big impact on Blessed Rita Amada uh, de Jesus because she grew up wanting this uh, this more intimacy with the Lord. She wanted to enter into religious life, but this was a time when uh, there was much strife in Portugal. The Freemasons were at uh, at conflict with the Church. And there was a lot of government support for their efforts, so the church properties were being confiscated and closed, religious houses were being shuttered, and clergy were being attacked, and people were forbidden to join religious orders. So even though she was called to the religious life, she didn't have much opportunity. So instead, she did spend some time with the Benedictine sisters, and they taught her a lot about the life of a, of a religious and ultimately, she wanted to become a missionary. She wanted to travel to foreign countries, but that wasn't an opportunity that she had in front of her either. So she resorted to becoming a, a missionary at home. And she would travel from parish to parish, encountering you know, lukewarm and fallen away Catholics. And she would teach them the rosary. And she would encourage them to come back to the sacraments, to come back to the, the church. And she had such great zeal. There were many people who were smitten by her. In fact, many men offered their uh, to uh, ask for her hand in marriage, and she said no. And then there were others who didn't like her at all, and they wanted to kill her. Uh, but she didn't care. She had zeal for souls. She grew in great devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. At 29 years old, she did, in fact, enter the only functioning religious order in Portugal, the Sisters of Charity in Oporto. Uh, but she found that it was not fulfilling, and she didn't care for their charism, I guess, and she ended up leaving. So then she felt she had a call to care for mothers and their children, single moms. And so she raised the donations she needed. She bought a house, and she cared for these women and their children. And uh, people flocked to her side and to the work, and she actually founded in 1880 a religious community called the Sisters of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And not only did they help these women and their these single moms and their children, but they also began to help poor children. And they opened schools. And soon they had schools all over the country. But in 1910, 
the rebellion uh, against the monarchy really, you know, was successful, I guess you could say. And the monarchy was driven out of the country and, and the church persecution took on a fever pitch. Again, properties confiscated, churches closed, or in some cases even destroyed. And uh, in fact, the schools were closed too. And she and the sisters and the children had to run for safety. In fact, they dressed up as gypsies to escape by night. They retreated back to her parents' home, and where she turned her parents' home into a, a new missionary center to care for those whom God had called her to. She sent many of her sisters overseas to Brazil to carry on the work, but she herself stayed in Portugal where she would die on January the 6th, 1913, in the same town where she was raised. She would be beatified by Pope Benedict XVI on May 28, 2006. Blessed Rita Amada de Jesus, pray for us. The gospel today is a continuation from yesterday's gospel, Mark chapter 6. Today it's verses 45 through 52. Yesterday was the feeding of the 5,000. After the 5,000 had eaten and were satisfied, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and precede him to the other side toward Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And when he had taken leave of them, he went off to the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was far out on the sea, and he was alone on shore. Then he saw that they were tossed about while rowing, for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost and cried out. They had all seen him and were terrified. But at once he spoke with them, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. He got into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely astounded. They had not understood the incident of the loaves. On the contrary, their hearts were hardened. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. Uh, several uh, uh, points here, I think, in this. I, sh I, say, I say several every time. I should narrow that and be more specific. But the one that stood out to me the most was Jesus walking on the sea. I was always curious uh, why Jesus would walk on the sea. And many years ago, in a previous apostolate that I worked for, I had the great opportunity to work with great biblical scholars. And uh, I asked one once uh, about this. And uh, he brought this point out to me, and it sat with me ever since. He said, you know, Moses, he walked through the sea on dry, dry ground, but Moses prophesied that one greater than he would come from among the people. And who, 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 what would this one greater do than walk on the sea? If Moses can walk through it, then, then the one greater would walk on top of it. And then you go down to this verse where, it's, where Jesus says to the disciples, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. The it is I part is very significant, actually. If you go to the Greek version of this, the Koine Greek, it is ego eimi, and that is a very powerful phrase. It goes back to Exodus 3 when Moses, trying to negotiate his way out of having to go save the people from slavery, send someone else, don't send me, uh, I don't, I'm not a good speaker, just send somebody else. And uh, finally Moses says, well, who am I going to tell them sent me because who's going to believe me? And God says to Moses from the burning bush, ego eimi. Tell them, I am sent you. Jesus is using that same phrase here, ego eimi. He uses it in John's gospel in many places as well, ego eimi. It's a powerful phrase. It means Jesus is God. 
And it means he, because he's God and he has no, no sin whatsoever, he walks on top of the water, not through it. It's a powerful revelation for each and every one of us that God is in our midst and he comes to save us from the torrent around us. Adrian, what say you? Yeah, I thought that there is a, a number of things to look at here today. And, um, and just like you were talking about the, about our Lord walking on the water, I thought it was very interesting. And Thomas talks about this in his commentaries about how the fact that whenever he goes out into the water, the storm has already been going on and the uh, disciples were like terrified of what was happening. And so they go to this and they're terrified of what's happening. And our Lord does not uh, relinquish their fears immediately. In fact, he makes things worse. He actually he comes, shows up, and everybody freaks out and thinks it's a ghost. And so he actually scares them even worse and gets, makes them have greater fear. And he does this because he wants them to learn patience, to not hope at once for help in their tribulations, but instead have them understand that the help that comes from God happens on God's time, not ours. And so we must be patient and suffer patiently. I just thought that was a very interesting point. Yeah, it is powerful. I mean, we live in turbulent times, and uh, in God's good grace and His good uh, and holy wisdom, He allows us to experience the tribulation, but He doesn't leave us abandoned to it completely. And I just love that line where He says, He meant to pass them by. I haven't looked into that quite all that much, so I would love to know, what is that? <laughs> Why would He just want to pass them by? I it's just, in the commentary of St. Thomas, so I just didn't get to that part. Yeah, so right. I need to look that up, because I just laugh and chuckle that uh, the waves are are, round, are raging around them, and uh, and they're all afraid, and Jesus is just going to walk past them. Let, let them. let them hang there for a bit. I just think that's so funny. But at any rate, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to have our Fear and Trembling game show. Big, huge, massive prizes are involved this week. We have a mega prize. It's a, it's a big thing. So all you got to do to get in on the action, and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. That's what makes it even better. Uh, all you got to do is be the first caller at 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424, and uh, we will uh, take your call, and you get to be the contestant, and I don't even ask you the questions. Instead, I ask Emily, I ask Adrian, one of them will have a right answer. Uh, Adrian usually has wrong answers, and that's not true. See, we mix it up so you don't know who's right, who's wrong. <laughs> But uh, one of them will have a right answer, one will have a wrong answer, and the caller will just have 15 seconds to decide, and every right answer gets you a shot into the coffee cup of divine providence. So, uh, Adrian, I think we're supposed to go to break, and then we'll come back for the trivia game show. So that phone number, if you want to call now, we'll take it, 877-757-9424. If you were calling yesterday, the day before, and couldn't get it, get on, well, today's your chance, 877 877- 757-9424 is the phone number 877-757-9424 we'll be right back Catholic Drive Time the Trivia Game Show is coming up next don't go anywhere Blessed John Paul II once said as the family goes so goes the nation and so goes the whole world in which we live How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself but stop just for a minute and ask What have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. 
Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus. Every time I hear uh, Mike Romano do that voice, I just get a good chuckle. It's <laughs> such fun. Uh, thank you, Mike Romano uh, from Mobile, Alabama, for doing the voice of our game show. We're so grateful to you. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you get to win some prizes, and we get to have a little fun in the process and teach a little bit about the faith. It's a, it's a win-win-win-win opportunity. And the good news is the listener doesn't even have to have all the right answers. No, in fact, we don't even ask them the question. We ask Emily and Adrian. One of them has a right answer. One has a wrong answer. And uh, and the caller will only have 15 seconds, but they'll get to choose one or the other, Emily or Adrian, 50-50 shot, and three chances to win this week's prize. So, what's the prize? So, the <laughs> always, prize... Are we going to get the sounder? Where's Mike we Romano? Don't we don't even know. <laughs> That's okay. So, our pri- really excited about the prize for this week. The sponsor is thelittlecatholicbox.com. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And they're giving away their prayer space box. So, this company, this Catholic ministry, gives away subscription. They sell subscription boxes that have... Uh, a variety of Catholic artist produced items in their boxes. So this, wow. for example, they have like a college student box that you can give. They have one for pregnant mothers. Um, the one that they are giving away this week is called the Prayer Space Box, and it has in it a Prayer Space Rosary, an icon, a chrism scented candle, a little Sacred Heart bowl. Uh, a Marian print, it's really beautiful, and a small holy water bottle. So all of these prizes, six prizes in one prayer space box for this week's winner, which we will be drawing on Friday. Praise God. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a huge deal. So thank you to our sponsor for generously underwriting today's uh, Fear and Trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show prize, or this week, yeah. So let's go to our phones and see uh, Mary. Welcome. Good morning to you. Thank you for calling in. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you? Praise God we are alive. How about you? 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. I just had eye surgery two days ago, and I'm thrilled to death to be a winner to call in. <laughs> Praise um, God bless you, Mary. <laughs> well, where are you calling from, by the way, Mary? I am in Virginia, in Centerville, Virginia. Centerville, Virginia. Praise God. Now, I understand you have fairly mild weather right now. Yes, we do, actually. Very unusual. Very well. <laughs> I would think by now we'd be in a, a major snowstorm, but God's been good to us this year, so we'll take it. Yeah, you'll probably get it in February. Don't worry. It's, it's still to come. But uh, uh, the, <laughs> the good news is you might win some cool prizes to keep you warm if that happens. But uh, are you right? Do you understand, Mary, the rules of how the game is played? I believe so. Are you ready to go? I, I am. Thank you. All right. Here we go. Uh, Emily, we'll start with you as usual. Are you ready? Okie dokie. Let's are, go. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Is giving of alms a corporal work of mercy? <laughs> All right. That's, that's not a- the actual question. What? <laughs> that three for loop there. <laughs> the actual question is actually much harder than that. Okay. You're, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> see, I can see the look in your eyes. <laughs> okay, here's the actual question. In what country did the Catholic emancipation take place? Hmm. All right, this is That's more like it. Do you, want, do you want the first one or do you want I'll this I'll take, one? well, the first one's pretty obvious, but I think, let's give the second one a shot. All right, Catholic emancipation. Yes. Uh, so, I know that Catholics were... Persecuted by the government in Mexico in the 20s, so I'm going to go with Mexico, the nation. On the board for Mexico. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. That seems like it could be a legitimate answer. Is it? I don't know. But let's try Adrian. Adrian, in what country did the Catholic emancipation take place? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I love how it says the emancipation uh, because it's what the whole idea is. It's actually the answer is England, but just to give a little bit of background wow, information, very, very is that the uh, the emancipation is actually just saying a freedom from Catholicism. It's an anti-Catholic emancipation. Uh, so that's uh, the answer is England. So you're on the board for England, and Emily is on the board for Mexico. Who's right? Who's wrong? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Mary, what say you? I say England. England. Survey says. Congratulations. Interesting. Okay. That was tricky, I would say. That was tricky. According to uh, Wikipedia, the. of course, the bedrock of truth on planet Earth, Wikipedia, says uh, the Catholic emancipation or Catholic relief was a process in the kingdoms of Great Britain and Ireland and later uh, combined United Kingdom in the late 18th century, early 19th century. So congratulations, Mary. Well done, you Mary. You got it right. You're already in the uh, coffee cup of divine providence for this week's prize. One more time on the sponsor, Emily. Little, TheLittleCatholicBox.com. TheLittleCatholicBox.com. All right, congratulations. Congratulations, Mary. Are you ready for your second round? Yes, I am, and I'm very excited to participate. Thank you. Praise be to Jesus. We're right, happy a- to have you, Mary. Adrian, we're going to start with you this time. Are you ready? I'm ready as I'll ever be. As you will ever be. All right, super easy question this time. What is sanctifying grace? What is sanctifying grace? Okay. Super easy. So if I give a longer answer, does that does that make it more uh, more right? More right? Is that what you did in college? Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> is that's, that how you is got it through? Two page paper, wrote ten pages. Hopefully, they just like oh, at ninety, ninety, it's fine. <laughs> Not read it. Um, I'm gonna go with it's the grace that God gives to accomplish a particular task. 
That's what I'm going with. So one more time. A, the grace that God gives to accomplish a particular task. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Where, where's your degree from? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We went the, to the same school. <laughs> the, the grace to accomplish a particular task. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go to Emily. Emily, uh, question for you. What is sanctifying grace? Okay, Mary, I've got you on this one. Sanctifying grace is the grace that God gives our souls to make us holy and pleasing to him. Wow. It's tough choices there. We have Emily on the board for make us holy and pleasing to him. And we have Adrian on the board for accomplish a specific did task. Did you chuckle at me? <laughs> I think I, I, think I, I did chuckle. I didn't say anything. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Okay, it was oh my days. goodness. <laughs> Who's right? Who's wrong? Uh, Mary, what say you? <laughs> I say it's the grace that makes us holy for God. Are you sure? <laughs> Stop, yeah. I have to laughing, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. First All right. survey says. <laughs> we- <laughs> well done, Mary. It's two for two. Ooh, that oh was a good God. one, Adrian. <laughs> In the coffee cup of divine providence, twice now, Mary. I couldn't help it. Oh my God! Uh, <laughs> a specific task, okay? That's that's a good one, my friend. That's a good one. Okay, all right. Let's get serious now. Third time's a charm. Third question, almost a perfect score. Uh, you, it's just a brilliant performance there, Mary. So, congratulations. Uh, third time, going back to Emily this time. Emily, are you ready? Affirmative. I promise this one's got to be a little bit harder anyway. Okay. What is the name given to the grave obligation of keeping secret all knowledge the priest has obtained in the sacrament of penance? Okay, so that's a really long question. Um, <laughs> I believe this one is called the seal of confession because there's a there's a, and fun fact. You're under the seal of confession also if you overhear a confession. It's not just the really? penitent and the priest. Whoa. Are you, <laughs> am I not allowed then to Twitter all of that information while I hear Please it? Please don't, Twitter? Joe. Please to don't. Twitter it? To Twitter it? <laughs> I think you meant tweet. Is, is that what all the kids are saying these days? Tweet? Okay. Uh, let's try Adrian out on this. Uh, Adrian, what is the name given to the grave obligation of keeping secret all knowledge the priest has obtained in the sacrament of penance. Ooh, okay, this is hard. Um, let me think. I think the answer, the let's see. The question is, the secret that priests have to keep of all knowledge that they obtain in the confessional. I'm going to say it's the papal secret. You're on the board for papal secret? Papal secret. Emily's on the board for seal... Did you say seal of confession? Seal of confession, yeah. Emily's on the board mm-hmm. for seal of confession. Adrian's on the board for papal secret. 15 seconds. Mary, what say you? Who's right? Who's wrong? I say Emily. Survey says... Congratulations. Three, for, three, three. for three. Yes, Mary. Perfect score, Mary. God love you. God bless you. Isn't that a... Uh, three Let's chances to win the big prize this week. How do you feel about that? I feel... I feel great. I feel like I'm walking on a cloud. (laughs) And I I love your station. I love EWTN, and I I just rave about it to everybody I can. It's a a wonderful way to, to open up hearts and bring them back to the Lord. 
Praise be Amen. to Amen. Thank you, Mary. God love you, Mary. Thank you for being a part of our program today. We'll be today. praying for you. I'm going to put you on hold so that we can get your information just in case uh, we pull your name out of the coffee cup of Divine Providence on Fridays when we pull that winner. So uh, I'm going to put you on hold. But have a great day, Mary. Thank you, too. God bless you all. And thank you so much. All right, don't go anywhere, dear listener. More Catholic Drive Time is coming your way. We're going to have more breaking news and stories. Plus, we're going to chat about some of the stories in the headlines, and we may get a phone call from some folks in D.C. at the big rally. We'll, we'll tell you about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. Like they do many other Marian dogmas, Protestants reject Mary as the mother of God because they don't think it's scriptural. But if there's any Marian dogma that's biblical, it's Mary the mother of God. Consider Luke 1.43, where Elizabeth greets Mary as the mother of my Lord. As any Bible student knows, Lord is the title that the Jews used for Yahweh. But Protestants object that Lord can also be used for an earthly ruler. Although this is true, I think the context suggests the divine usage. The three times the word is used before verse 43, verses 28, 32, and 38, and the three times it's used after verse 43, verses 46, 58, and 68, it's used in reference to Almighty God. So does the Bible teach Mary is the mother of God? You bet it does. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so... Anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Good morning and welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Wednesday morning headlines. Trump supporters clashed with D.C. police yesterday ahead of the March to Save America. Late Tuesday evening, videos from independent journalists showed skirmishes from the scene and one woman with a bloodied face who said she was assaulted by a Black Lives Matter activist. One journalist reported that Trump supporters and the Proud Boys attempted to enter BLM Plaza but police pushed back against the protesters seeking access. Several clips posted to Twitter last night show officers using pepper spray to push back the crowd. Today, President Donald Trump will address the protesters who are gathered in D.C. to challenge the results of the 2020 presidential election. One of the last remaining pro-life Democrats is leaving Congress. An eight-term Catholic House Democrat, Dan Lipinski, lost his primary to new Congresswoman Marie Newman by fewer than 3,000 votes. Lipinski was known for being a reliable pro-life vote, 
one of the last remaining pro-life Democrats in the House and one of only two sitting House Democrats endorsed by the group Democrats for Life of America in 2020. Lipinski warned of partisanship in a recent interview, saying, quote, More and more people are making their political party their religion. Catholics can show the way and hopefully bridge that divide in our world between the two polarized sides. In Hong Kong, 50 more pro-democracy figures have been arrested. Pro-democracy activists and lawmakers had last July held an unofficial primary election to figure out which candidates they should field in a now-postponed legislative election that would boost their chances of gaining a majority of seats in the legislature. Following the handover of Hong Kong to China by the British in 1997, the semi-autonomous Chinese city has operated on a one-country, two-systems framework that affords it freedoms not found on the mainland. In recent years, Beijing has asserted more control over the city, drawing criticism that Hong Kong's freedoms were under attack. Iceland's only Catholic bishop is fighting against extreme restrictions on worship. Bishop David Tenker of Reykjavik, the country's sole Catholic diocese, has called on the government to lift the country's 10-person limit on mass attendance, arguing that it is an unfair discrepancy within the current coronavirus measures. The bishop said in a statement, quote, Our churches are not small. If it is possible to hold a funeral or even a concert with 50 people, how is it that only 10 people can attend mass? How do I explain to our parishioners that many restaurants can accommodate more customers? As of yesterday, there have been 111 reported cases of COVID in Iceland, which has a population of just over 350,000 people. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for uh, reading the news for us. Uh, so I got a friend of mine who is in D.C. right now. He's on the phone. Now we're going to bring him onto the program to give us an update. There's a massive, massive rally in Washington, D.C., and I think it's been part of the anxiety and the tension of of our country to see uh, these big gatherings. But I got to be honest, it seems like this one there has been some reports of some clashes for sure. But I think it's you know I, we could honestly say that this one probably is mostly peaceful. And uh, my friend Tom Butler is on the line, who's there, man on the street, to give us the update. Good morning, Tom. Hey, Joe, how are you doing? Praise God, I'm alive, and that counts. Yes, it does. <laughs> how are you, my friend? It's good. It's good to hear your voice, Joe. Yeah, thanks for being on with us. A man on the street, when did you get to D.C.? Uh, me and a lifelong friend of mine, Rob, uh, got here yesterday about 4. Uh, we flew in from from Houston, but uh, of all things, the flights were so booked up, we had to go to Miami really? to come to D.C. Yes, well, yes. That, that's always fun. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. But a plane full of people coming up here for the same reason. Wow. So what what is the scene up there? Can you describe it for us? I sure can. I sure can. It's it's really um, it's kind of a wonderful environment to be perfectly honest. Just a lot of good people wanting the best for the country, uh, all all sharing the same concerns that, that I have. Is that some nefarious things have been going on in our country? Things that we kind of haven't been paying attention to, but now are kind of pushed uh, to the forefront uh, of everybody's thought uh, because we're paying attention to the news now. We're we're looking for our own news sources and seeing things that that you don't always get in the mainstream media. You kind of have to look for them now. And it's kind of unsettling. So uh, a lot of good-natured people here. Ironically, Joe, a lot of Texans. Um, 
<laughs> it, it's the craziest thing. And uh, I, I didn't see it coming. Texans have an opinion? You're kidding. I did. I just didn't see that happening. Uh, uh, you know, we, we've run into so many, and, and people that wouldn't normally wear cowboy hats are wearing cowboy hats. They're, 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 they're flexing their techs, they're right? They're flexing their techs. I love that. What, how, can you give us a sense of the size? I mean, the reports are a million. Is it, is it a million? Is it more? Is it less? What do you think? It would not surprise me. Um, last night there was a small event in the Freedom Plaza. Uh, probably 2,000 people showed up. There were just some speeches. Um, uh, General Michael Flynn was there. Um, Patrick Burney, the, the CEO of Overstock.com. Wow. Uh, George Papadopoulos, who was, who was also in, indicted and investigated for, for um, kind of malicious and fake charges, he was there and, and spoke about his his experience and, and undergoing a, undergoing an investigation for a couple of years, uh, which was ultimately cleared of, but he said it cost him everything. Wow. Uh, same with General Flynn. He had to sell his house to defend himself against these bogus investigations. So, um, But, I mean, I don't want to bring you down. The crowd was hopeful. The crowd was respectful, cheerful. Uh, they broke out and, you know, we love you. We love USA several times. Um, it, it's a good crowd, great people. So all I have to base it on is the 2,000 people that showed up in the freezing, in the freezing uh, uh, conditions last night. It was about 30 degrees. Um, and, and, wow. But we're, heading, we're, we're, we're staying one block from the White House, so we're heading down there right now, and I can give you a, a better idea in a few minutes if you'd like me to call back in. Yeah, I would love to, I would love to get a sense of what is down there. Uh, you know, I had an opportunity. I was traveling to D.C. quite a bit in uh, my previous role here at the GRN. And I had an opportunity to visit the White House back in, uh, I guess it was January of 2020, and uh, it felt very dystopian then. I'd be curious how it feels now, uh, now that we've been through all of the rest. Uh, so I would love to get your feedback on that. And, and, but real quick, what's, what's on the agenda today with this rally? So uh, uh, the, the rally starts at 9 o'clock. Uh, President Trump will be speaking at 11. Um, I will tell you one thing. It was dystopian. It came to mind when you said that word. Uh, the restaurants were all closed here last night. We had to walk about three blocks to find a place, and, and the only indoor seating was upstairs, uh, oddly. A lot of the places were boarded up for fear of, uh, uh, of um, rioting and that sort of thing. Um, we didn't see any of that last night. I understand that there was a, a little bit of a scuffle between two ladies. Uh, which ended up in the police kind of spraying people. But uh, th that's a very isolated thing just between two people. Um, but uh, So, yeah, it, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great event and looking forward to what the president has to tell us this morning. All right. So you're going to make your way to the White House right now? Yes, sir. We'll be there in about 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Well, if you can get uh, get there before 57 after the hour, we'll take your call to get the update because we go off the air at 57. But, Tom, I'd love to have it if you can get there. Thank you, Joe. I'll, I'll do it. If I get there in time, I will call you, my friend. Okay. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Tom Butler, calling in from D.C. this morning. And the massive rally will hopefully talk to you soon. God bless you. Sure thing. God bless. Take care, guys. All right. Uh, so we did see a report that there was a scuffle, I think, in your news broadcast there, Emily. So, but, but generally speaking, with a crowd this massive, I think it's pretty awesome that there, there isn't, uh, in fact, the kind of uh, violence or, or, or destruction that won't, that some of the fears were out there. Yeah, and I'm glad to see no buildings are being burned down. This yeah, is amen. mostly peaceful, yeah, positive. It reminds me of, I, I go to the March for Life every year. March for Life so positive, so clean. Honestly, the streets are left cleaner after the march than they were before. And you just see that discrepancy with, for example, the March for Life, which is always followed by the Women's March, um, which 
it really, you just see angry protesters there. It's just not the same vibe. And I'm getting the same vibe as the March for Life from this March to Save America. It seems just like very positive and uh, uplifting. Yeah, amen to that. So hopefully Tom will get to uh, the White House and be able to call us back and uh, give us an update there. We'd love to hear what he's what he's seeing. That would be pretty awesome. Um, but at any rate, I wanted to share with you another story uh, that we're going to be launching on January the 18th. We're going to start a Monday through Friday daily mass live broadcast at 7.30 a.m. Central, 8.30 a.m. Eastern. And so what that means is um, that the Catholic drive time will be preempted for the rest of the hour starting January 18th and moving forward. Now, this is great uh, because this is a live broadcast daily mass in the morning. A lot of listeners love having the mass in the morning. And so, uh, this is an opportunity for us to kind of do, to kill, you know, and I don't want to use the word kill two birds with one stone, not according to the mass. That's not what I wanted to say. But this is an opportunity to kind of do two things. One is provide that, op- that daily mass, that live broadcast for our listeners who really love and appreciate that and praise God for that. We're very grateful. And then, of course, I'll continue to uh, address the breaking news and stories and bring you the most information. And, and have fun in the process as well. A little bit of both, you know, you know, keeping you informed and inspired is our motto. So this, we felt like, was a good solution to the program. Now, what we've done is we've partnered with Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity out of Corpus Christi, Texas, to provide us this daily Mass. Again, broadcast 7.30 a.m. Central, East 8.30 Eastern, Monday through Friday, starting on January the 18th. And uh, if you've not seen the... Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel in Corpus Christi, Google it. It is beautiful. The high altar is just really beautiful, stunning. And so they're going to be uh, saying this Mass there, and we'll be able to uh, broadcast this Mass to you across the Guadalupe Radio Network, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're very excited about that. So again, mark your calendars, January the 18th. Um, That's when it will start, 7.30 in the morning, Central Time. Now... How this? Go ahead, Adrian. You had some. Oh, I just I know this isn't the what's concerning us section from the first hour, but I just saw this article and I was like ah, flabbergasted. This article says uh, this record breaking baby is 27 years old and is two years younger than her mom, and I'm like that doesn't make any sense. So I read the article and this is absolutely heartbreaking. Okay, hold the thought. Oh. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that in a okay, minute. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll swing back to you on that in a second. I want to finish this uh, thought about uh, the Holy Mass. So, uh, Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity is the order that's that's going to be saying the Mass, which we, we will be broadcasting for you starting January the 18th. Now, the way this will affect Catholic Drive Time is we will do uh, the breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We will also do the... Um, Catholic Trivia Game Show. So we're going to stay, we're going to keep that part. We like that part. We love that. Mary, our caller today, I think affirmed us in that, that uh, it's a fun time. You learn a little bit about the faith. You have a laugh in the process and you get get some prizes. It's a win, win, win. So we're going to continue to do that. And then when we sign off from the game show, we will be signing off the radio side of our broadcast. So all the radio listeners, you will get the Holy Mass starting uh, right after that on January the 18th. The team here, uh, we're going to continue on our program, but only on the social media side. 
So if you want to continue on with us, you'll be able to tune in via our, our live video streams on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitter. Um, so I would encourage you to, if you haven't done so, is to make sure that you're plugged into those platforms. Now, we have several platforms that we use. We use Facebook.com, and we have that on GRN, and we also have it on Catholic Drive Time. So you got options. Why do we do Catholic Drive Time? Because Stations of the Cross in New York and and Pennsylvania and Massachusetts and other places, they're also picking up the show. So we we've, we put up a Catholic Drive Time page just for them. Uh, but if you follow us on those pages, then you'll be able to get the live stream on Facebook. You can comment there. We all, we actually watch a lot of comments. For instance, today, I totally dropped the ball. Elma posted a shout-out to her twins, Angelica and Gabriel, who are celebrating their 21st birthday today. Happy birthday to you, too. I don't know if you're still listening, Elma, but God love you. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of our program and commenting on our, our Facebook page on the live video feed today. <clears throat> we also... We also are are broadcasting on uh, on YouTube, of course, youtube.com forward slash GRN online. And uh, make sure you subscribe. But you know what's more important? What's actually more powerful than subscribing on YouTube? This is a trick. The algorithm is real and, and it's not fun to overcome. They really do uh, control your ability to reach the audiences on these platforms. So if you want to help us, if you want to be missionaries with us and help us spread the word and help us grow the audience, more than just subscribe is like. Watch as much of the video as you can and like the video and then share the video. Those three actions alone have the most impact on algorithm is liking, sharing, and then watching. You know, watch time is king on YouTube. The more you watch, the more the algorithm thinks you love it. And if you hit the like button and then you hit the share button, boy, the algorithm really thinks you love it a lot. And then they'll begin to show the video to people similar to you. On uh, And it could be thousands of other people. So it's a wonderful way to help us grow the audience is by hitting the like button, hitting the share button, and then obviously watching as much of the video as you can. So if you could do that, boy, that would be awesome. Of course, subscribe. Of course, hit the bell notification. But uh, we'd be grateful for whatever you might consider uh, when you're there over at youtube.com forward slash GRN online. Now, before we jump into that story, Adrian, we've been talking about po- uh, creating another YouTube channel just for like highlights and, and conversations on Catholic Drive Time. Yes, and uh, that I actually made that yesterday. So if you actually go online to YouTube um, and look up Catholic Drive Time, uh, the new channel. So right now it has zero subscribers. So don't be sketched out by the fact that it's like has zero, zero subscribers. Set. So zero set. actually, it might be one. It might, I think I'm subscribed. To I'm it. subscribed. There you go. We got two. Uh, well, uh, so I have not subscribed. Just so you know, <gasps> Joe. truth in advertising. Wow. I have not subscribed to that channel. So you can be a subscriber before <laughs> Joe McLean if you uh, go and subscribe now to uh, YouTube Catholic Drive time channel uh there will be i'll be posting uh the individual interviews so that way uh so whenever we do our interviews with our guests in the uh second half of the show i will be clipping those uh take out the commercials uh and then cut joe off early and cut off his beginning and uh we'll just have the the great content of our great guests none of the bad stuff uh, if you want to share it because i know i know a lot of times my uh people tell me like oh man i want to share that interview but i don't want to share the whole two hour long yeah, video so i've been clipping them uh they're going to be up online on a on our catholic drive time youtube channel 
uh, so you can share them uh, with your friends and family and those who you think it'll be beneficial to. And now, about a month in, we've already had some really great interviews, so you're going to want to go back. Bishop Strickland was great. Dr. Stacy, who works for the St. Philip's Institute. Yeah. Father Donald Calloway was great. Of course, our interviews with Christy Niles are always wonderful. Gabriel mm-hmm. Castillo, very inspiring. Mm-hmm. So go back and share those. And we're also posting them to our Instagram and Twitter pages, at Catholic Drive Time on Instagram and at Catholic Drive uh, on Twitter because we couldn't fit the whole name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really hang out on Twitter. Um, I have in the past. It's a I toxic have, place. I have an account, uh, but I don't really hang out there too much. I do. Po- I do actually tweet some stuff every once in a while. But uh, Instagram again, I have an account. I don't really do a lot there. Haven't in a long time. Uh, so I'm glad you're doing the, the Instagrams. <laughs> that's why you have the young people here. That's why I, the, the young that's people. That's what we're around. for, Joe. <laughs> that's right. Now I have created an account on Parlor. I'm still not convinced it's a place that is going to be worthy of time. Um, I do. I'm being honest here. Uh, I, I get the need for it, uh, so I have posted stuff there. But I'm just sort of playing it by ear. So if you want to find me on Parlor, you can do that by looking up Catholic Hack H A C K at Catholic Hack, or just my name, Joe McLean, and uh, you can. I, I, what do you call it on Parlor? You become a. a, a I have friend? no idea. I don't know, I don't know anybody on Parlor to be honest. <laughs> I forgot. I'd be completely honest. You'd be a, hey, Ben Shapiro's on Parlor. This is true. Does Pretty he actually sure. use it? So is Patrick Coffin. Patrick yeah. Coffin's on Parlor. Lots of people. Now Patrick Coffin left twi- Twitter. He called it yeah. the Twixit officially. Yeah. Yeah. So people are leaving these platforms. Why? Because the it's the censorship of the voice that's the problem. You know, these algorithms, we saw, like, they talk about Georgia runoff race, right? Before we jump into your, your interview, your, your article there, Adrian, uh, just, I was just reminded that, uh, you know, Facebook just suspended the ad accounts of the Republican candidates in Georgia a week ago before the big runoff election today, yesterday. Um, that's nefarious. You know, why did they do it? Well, they said it, it violated, you know, their policies. It, you drill down. They're not violating the policies. It's just, it's just part of the harassment that happens on these platforms. Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg and the rest. You know, that's why Catholic Radio is still so important in 2021. Uh, but so we still have to be on these social platforms. So we ask for your help to, uh, to make sure that we have a solid base, a means of communicating, uh, to the world. So, on these platforms, like, subscribe, share, become uh, become family, and we would be very grateful to you. Now, what was that article you were talking about? Right. So I was talking about – so uh, we weren't able to get to the what's concerning us section for me. Uh, so the thing that was concerning me was this article about in vitro fertilization. This uh, poor child um, who is technically 27 years old was just born, uh, and it's only two years younger than her mother because she was frozen as an embryo. Stuck in a freezer, and then 27 years later, she was thawed out and put into her new mother, um, who is now uh, her mother. Uh, and, and then they actually did it a second time. So she has two babies uh, from the same family of the same em- uh, embryo, same group of embryos. Um, so we, now we know that these babies who have been frozen indefinitely – are still alive they're still alive they're sticking they're staying in these freezers for the rest of until until they're thawed out they're killed or they're put into someone else's body we need to book a guest on in vitro yeah, uh, I, I think let, so too. Let's find a guest, uh, an expert on that, and why the Catholic mm-hmm. Church says that that is one of those non-negotiable issues, right? 
It's a non-negotiable issue. It attacks the dignity of the human person who was never meant to be a lab uh, mm-hmm. you know, experiment. It's, it's a product. Uh, babies have become yeah. a product that you're purchasing. We're gene editing babies. Uh, babies are no longer a gift from God, but it's a product that we buy in the market. You know, fascinating. Mm-hmm. We spoke with Eric Wells yesterday. Kevin, uh, Kevin Wells. Forgive me. That's twice I've done that to that poor man. Kevin Wells, thank you for correcting me. We spoke with Kevin Wells yesterday in his book, The Priest We Need to Save the Church, uh, published by Sophia Press, which we discussed a little bit yesterday. This issue was big for him and his family. And in relation, when he was telling the story of his uncle, the Monsignor, who was tragically murdered, um, he, he and his wife were unable to to have children, and there was this struggle between them over in vitro fertilization. And the uncle had to explain why the church taught what they what it teaches, and why we shouldn't participate in it, and do so in a loving way, in a pastoral way. And and Kevin Wells did a fantastic job of relaying that story, and in, it was in the context of his uncle. But I would encourage you. If you can pick up the book or just get the first chapter, you should check that out. The prologue, you should read that. Uh, it's powerful. But we sh- we'll find a guest on uh, on why uh, in vitro fertilization is a non-starter, non-sequitur, right? We can't we can't participate in that as Catholics. We'll find somebody and have them on the show. But uh, coming up this week, I think we're going to have more commentary tomorrow. Stephen Harried is going to be on. He's a Catholic political commentator. He'll be on tomorrow to talk about uh, some of the fallout from today in Washington, D.C. And then uh, I think uh, we're going to have the, uh, we, the the Glad Trad podcast is going to be on tomorrow. Yep, we are. And uh, that is actually a you guest. I did not never heard of them before. <laughs> So we've heard, like, we've uh, heard of mad trads, uh, <laughs> but uh, too many of those. Have we ever heard of the glad trad? Uh, these are great guys. They run a podcast. And the question becomes, you know, there's a big trend right now of young people. I apparently am not a part of that crowd, but there are a big tra- a, uh, trend of young people who are moving traditional, who are self-identifying as traditional. In fact, I was watching a video just the other day from Father Mark Goring, uh, actually addressing this very point. Why are young people moving traditional? Why are they identifying more traditional? Well, what more than having the glad trad on the program to explain the thing to us? And what is it about the tradition of the church that seems so attractive to young people? So they'll be on tomorrow you know, at this time. So we'll discuss that with them. Uh, so tomorrow, that'll be uh, Stephen Harried and uh, the Glad Trad podcast. On Friday, my good friend Bree Dale, our Rome correspondent, will be on to catch us up on the, all the breaking stories of... The whole week, we'll, we'll take a uh, we'll take a, a little survey of what happened this week and get some commentary on that. So, lots still to come on Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. But do me a favor, go to our social platforms, like, subscribe, share. All of that is super important to us. Make sure also that you mark down January the 18th. We'll start the daily Monday through Friday Mass out of Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Uh, with the uh, Salt community. It's going to be beautiful. We're very excited about it. So please mark that on your calendar. But until then, I'm praying for you, and I hope you'll continue to pray for us on behalf of myself, Emily Alcrez, Adrian Fonseca, the Guadalupe Radio Network, Stations of the Cross, and everybody else a part of it. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you here tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. We'll be back here tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. All right, here we go. All right, uh, let's see here. Let's go on here. Uh, Ken Paxton is joining us uh, right now live from uh, Washington, D.C. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you? Praise God, I am alive. Uh, hopefully hopefully everything's going well there. Yeah, I mean, it's very calm. There's thousands of people here. Uh, it's a little chilly, but it's, uh, you know, very calm. Now, Kim Paxton is the Attorney General for the state of Texas. Uh, Ken, what do we expect today in, in Washington, D.C.? We're told this is a massive rally. There could be as many as a million people. What could we expect? Ken, are you there? Uh-oh. Uh, so we just dropped the call, his call, and so I'm sure Tom will call us back in a second. <laughs> the instant I put him on the air, then all of a sudden, poof. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, we'll see if they call back in. If they do, they're Here calling in right now. Uh, Ken, yeah, are you there? Yes. Yeah. What can we expect today in Washington, D.C.? So, you know, I think people are here because they want to stand with President Trump to say, hey, we, we support what, what you've done in the last four years. Second, they want, I think, they want a, a place to stand and say, hey, we don't like what happened in these elections. And we're here to we're here to, to at least have an opportunity to say something about it, and we're not going to quit. We're we're not giving up on this just because we may have failed. We're not giving up on this 